Hi, this is Jamin Fraser, and you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high-quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. G'day, it's Jamin. You're on the Insecurity Project, and I have the great pleasure of speaking with Peter Sewell tonight, which is very exciting. I met Peter in, in Germany when I was there traveling with my family two years ago, and uh, Peter was an Aussie guy also in Germany, and so we had an instant point of connection, but the more I've got to know this guy, the more impressed I am with him and just bring such an incredible presence to everything he does. He's a professional speaker, he's an adventurer, he's an author, and has been coaching people professionally for over 20 years. So uh, I'm sure he'll have lots of great insights to share with us about this topic of overcoming insecurity, both from the work that he does and in his own journey. So welcome to the show, Peter. Hey, uh, really excited to be here and speaking with you live. Or not live. Fantastic to have you. (laughs) Uh, Now, what part of the world are you in now? Are you currently still in Germany? At the moment, I'm back, uh, just got back from Poland, where I did a bit of a trip across the border and to track down some of the locations connected to my family history, which are partly German. And the old German empire um, were reached across to what is currently known as uh, Poland. So it was a fantastic adventure, real treasure hunt. So I used Google and bits of family, old family letters, old historic maps, and uncovered some real, yeah, real cool places that my family had actually lived in, like a big mansion. They had a seven-metre table in their kitchen. So... (laughs) Yeah, so it was a big family, but also they had servants, and so they were quite wealthy as well. Mm. Uh, okay, so I'm well, back speaking here in of Germany, family, yeah. back here in Germany, well, great. You know, let's follow the theme of family and dive straight into that line of questioning because, yeah, uh, you know, when it comes to, to beliefs we have about ourselves, family play, play a big part in shaping those beliefs. So I'm, I'm interested in your early years and uh, the role your parents in particular played in your sense of self-esteem and value and the kind of start they gave you in life uh, and equipping you to deal with your insecurity? Yeah, definitely a great question. Um, So I I was actually raised on a a sheep property way in the middle of uh, the Queensland outback so isolation played a big part of my life. Like um, if you can think of maybe it was more than an hour to the next farm kind of thing, so, or the next yeah, right. city at least. So, yeah, isolation and just not being around crowds of people 
I think really impacted me and, and reinforced the um, phlegmatic uh, personality. So when I actually uh, got to the city of Townsville, uh, when I was uh, maybe about five or six, six I think, um, I was really, uh, yeah, I, I, I developed this, um, yeah, fear of just being around people and, and new people, especially crowds. Um, my parents were, were really protective of us as children. And yeah. I don't know if this has any relation, but they did lose a child when, when I was really young. And possibly like the thought that, okay, we've lost one child. We don't want anything to happen to our other sons. I don't know, but I was never, I don't remember being encouraged to try new things. Um, mm. And parents are very protective. And then when I got to town schools, I was, for some reason, I was never a very sporty uh, child and actually my mother tells me of a funny story when we were living on the sheep uh, farm and they had a a little uh, school um, athletics event and so they had in the uh, running races I was in the running race and of course coming last or second last and at the end of the race, the, one of the teachers came up to my mother and said, oh, congratulations, Peter came first. And my mother said, what? what? What do you mean? I saw him. He was coming last. And the teacher, yeah. said, <laughs> the teacher said, oh, actually, the rules uh, said that the, the, the children had to break the ribbon at the finishing line. And none of the other kids, uh, they they all stopped before the ribbon, and Peter ran through it. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps that talks. Uh, maybe that's a um, evidence that I've got a good listening ear to people, and listen to the rules. And uh, <laughs> so in that case, it came out as a victory point for me. But uh, when I was reaching the big city. That what that translated into was that not being very sporty, I was the last one to always be selected for the cricket team or the soccer team or any type of thing that we're doing. Yeah, wow. Whether it was an you official were that kid. event. Yeah, I was that kid. So hmm. I think that built up this yeah certain level of insecurity. Um, as far as my parents' modelling confidence, um, my dad was very adventurous um, and I, I still call it a miracle that, that, that I was even reached the point of birth because <laughs> he should have died so many times in his early life. He was one of those guys that had the fast, Cars, the fast motorbike. Yeah. Um, I was just uh, thinking of a story last night where my dad, uh, 
had rolled a car on the road, the policeman came to him and said, hey, looks like you've had a, a bad accident. It's a write-off. And my dad, I don't know if he was half drunk or something, but he said, no, no, she'll be right here. Give us a push and roll it back on its wheels. And the policeman said, uh, there's no way that car's gonna, going to drive again. And my dad said, yeah, yeah, it will. I got it going from the last corner when I rolled it. So <laughs> oh, no. That, that was his kind of wild... Uh, we, as growing up as kids, we heard all of these crazy stories, how my dad was uh, taking on 20 men in a, in a fight um, outside of a, a dance one night. And so we heard all of these adventurous stories from him but we lived a very sheltered life. And um, so, yeah, uh, that was dad. Um, and for my mum, uh, her personality being partially German, the Germans have this really gritty uh, determination. And... She was diagnosed with a, a deadly form of cancer called mesothelioma. Um, right. And she ended up to be the longest living survivor of this disease and actually beat it. The doctor said, look, I, oh, wow. never, uh, I think you, you never have a problem with it again. So it was that gritty determination, even though chemotherapy uh, wasn't an option for her back when she was diagnosed, and uh, I think that was the, I mean, she was taking all of the, whatever she could, natural products and vitamin C, whatever the doctor could give her. But I think at the end of the day, it was just this gritty determination, I'm going to survive this thing. And so that's what yeah, she well. modeled. And I'm often haunted by her voice that I can't remember what age, maybe I was about 10, I think, at the time. And I remember she uh, spoke to me and said, Peter, you give up too easily. Don't quit. And mm -hmm. these words have stuck in my head to this day. I'm 51. And uh, mm -hmm. climbing up Kilimanjaro in just a few months ago in January, those words were echoing through my head on the final summit climb, don't give up. And I just sort of quietly under my breath said, okay, mum, I'm not going to give up. <laughs> yeah. And, a bit of and you, made to the summit of, you made it to the summit of Kilimanjaro? Yes, I did. I was... I mean, it's a, that's a real metaphor of insecurity because I had been bitten by a tick. I do a lot of photography, and so here in Germany we have these ticks that have the Lyme disease. Yeah. So last year, photographing deer, I was bitten and became quite sick. At one stage, I couldn't even walk up and down the stairs. I felt... Um, like I was in a 90-year-old's body 
body just so fatigued and um, just needing to rest uh, in the middle of the day a couple hours. Um, yeah, so actually coming into this climb, my confidence was level zero. I was thinking, look, hmm. I've paid the money and I was thinking that I would have already recovered, but I only feel like um, kind of, kind of like uh, my at that point I felt like I was in like maybe an eighty-year-old body. So <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't that. I, I felt like look, I'm going to just give it this go. Like it's an adventure, just being in Africa here and. And it's like a nine-day climb. We did it over, and I thought, even if I can just get halfway up this thing, uh, I would have had a great adventure, so I'm not going to be too disappointed. But inwardly, I was thinking, I'm going to give it 100%, and that's all I can do, yeah. Amazing. So... Like I, I follow you on Facebook and see your photos and see your adventures, and uh, you, you strike me as a person who lives lives unhindered uh, in many ways. So mm-hmm. you have an idea, um, you, you live by your own rules, you do things like I, I. I have no idea how you finance your ventures around the world, or, <laughs> um, but you just find a way to do all kinds of amazing things. And I'm sure most people look at you and go, "How did he do that? Like how?" Who does that? How do you how do you get to create a lifestyle where you get to do so much travel and have so much fun and have so many cool interactions with so many people? You know, so it's just it's breathtaking. You know, so from where you started as yeah. being the kid that no one picked, uh, having a yeah. having a mother in particular who really did not encourage any risk and wanted to keep you very safe, mm-hmm. um, having a yeah. father who was a wild man and kind of was lucky to even be alive, so. Uh, modelled kind of some kind of recklessness that wasn't really adventure measured in any kind of uh, healthy way. It was just uh, almost <laughs> out of control in, in some ways. So yeah. I'm interested into how you got where you are today and, and the process of kind of uh, even reinventing yourself to be the kind of person who could go into the world and, and live a compelling life. Yeah. Um, gee, I- I remember, like, uh, very early on, like, I mean, there was a whole sort of self-image thing that I had as well that I think probably self-image does a lot of the time fit in with insecurity. So I always looked in the mirror and thought, oh, my nose is too big and I'm not a, I'm ugly and all of these negative thoughts are going through my mind and then it came to my uh, it came to when I was around 18 and for me I had like uh, almost like a spiritual rebirthing process where um, I had been brought up also as part of my childhood brought up in a very religious um, family and so there was a, possibly that's why there was a lot of these boundaries some of them probably yeah. saved me from a reckless life 
So, for example, I've never um, never touched a cigarette, and I'm so glad for that. And then mm. others, other boundaries were maybe not so healthy. Like we said, like uh, it sort of held me back from taking more risks than I would have. It would have been nice to have taken more risks while I was younger. And, yeah, I would kind of think like, um, I mean, I encourage my own children to take risks and to really push their comfort zone. But, um, yeah, I was around about 18. I had this kind of spiritual encounter with God and... I just, I woke up and I knew I was different. I looked in the mirror and I I was, I didn't recognize myself, seriously. So I don't know what happened, but uh, from that point of time, I just decided that, yeah, that I loved myself. And that's a massive, that's a massive which once you get to that suddenly once I uh, decided to love myself that I was unique and valuable and had a sense of worth um, I was able to move very fast and break a lot of the spheres of being around people and meeting new people and I uh, purposely put myself in situations that challenged those fears and, and forced me to, to grow in that area. So that's like when I was around, yeah, between the ages of 18 to 21. So it didn't come overnight, but by the time I was 21, I could approach uh, any stranger and, and talk. Before that... Um, I was, uh, we had like an avocado farm in Queensland in my later teenage years. And so this is like, I'm like 14, 15 years old. And when mum and dad had visitors that I wasn't familiar with, I would hide down the paddock. So here I'm a teenage boy, 14, 15 and I'm so scared of being around people. What should I say to them? I don't have anything worth listening to, uh, uh, worth saying. And so I'd hide out in the, down the farm while the people were, until the people were gone. So, yeah, so let's say from 15, and then by the time I was 21, that fear was completely broken. And then I started to do a bit of public speaking and, yeah, just sort of took off from there. But that was the big point. And then... Uh, um, yeah, can I just, can I just um, you know, make a point about that? I think, uh, you know, what you described is, is amazing. But the, the central thing of what I'm hearing is that uh, you... Obviously, there was a spiritual encounter and there was a, a connection with God there that made this made a big difference for you. And obviously, mm-hmm. it had key people in your world giving you kind of input around who you were and what you could or couldn't do. But at some point, you kind of took responsibility for your own opinion of yourself. Um, so yeah. I think that that, that is, in, in terms of overcoming this stuff, that, that, that seems like an essential part of the process 
where you yeah. kind of, this isn't actually about what anybody else thinks about me. Uh, what do I say about myself? When I look in the mirror, what do I say? And what do I believe? And what am I prepared yeah. to say going forward from here? And until you're willing to own that sense of, okay, right, well, you and I, we're going to be friends now. And I'm going to yeah. work out how to love myself. Well, then no one else's love can get in because you just kind of feel yeah. that. So that's a really profound um, moment of awareness and awakening there and, and personal responsibility. So, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, in case the listeners are thinking, well, it's great for him, he's like a Spider-Man that gets bitten by a spider and suddenly is <laughs> transformed into a superhero. But just to uh, share like a practical key, I heard around that same time, I heard of a man who was sharing that he he spoke to himself in the mirror and encouraged himself. And so I started to do that as well. And I would speak to the mirror uh, for a period of time. I don't know how long it was, but um, uh, whether it was over a six-month period of time, but I, I just spoke to the mirror and said, uh, you are of value, you uh, have a sense of worth, um, uh you are good looking, you are attractive, and uh, yeah, I think that started to reinforce what I was, uh, the changes that I'd experienced, and um, yeah, slowly pushed me forward. Uh, amazing. That last slide, I'm really curious about you are attractive because, um, you, you know, we, the world we live in, uh, beauty and Appearance. There's a lot of value placed on that, uh, and, mm-hmm. and people are classed as beautiful or ugly. And it's it's like often we look at ourselves and go, oh, "I'm not one of the pretty people. I'm not beautiful." And you'd already mentioned that you looked at your own face and your nose is too big and you're not ugly. I mean, you're not attractive. So for you to say, mm-hmm. oh, "I am attractive," um, you know, I think often when people are thinking about their own attractiveness, they think, "Well, you're either you're either attractive or you're not. You can't really change it." So and that mm-hmm. attractiveness is determined by others. Um, but one of the observations that I, because I'm curious about who gets to be a beautiful person and who doesn't, and I think yeah. one of the core things ultimately it does come down to the people who get to be attractive in the world are the people that give themselves permission to do so. Um, because yeah. there's not any one type or shape or look that actually wins. It's if someone is beautiful on the inside and they're living out of a very healthy place of self-love, that beauty actually manifests on the outside as well. And there's just something attractive about them. There's something compelling about them. There's something alive that is radiant and, and they, yeah, they are beautiful. <laughs> no matter whether yeah. their nose is big or small, whether their forehead slopes one way or the other or where their eyes or ears are positioned on the shape of their head, if, if they believe they are attractive and they allow themselves to be beautiful and bring their best to the to the world, and you know that that whole permission to flourish and permission to to bring my A game, um, I think that that actually manifests in being attractive. So yeah, really interesting that you said that as part of the list of things that you spoke to yourself. Yeah, and I, I just I think like you like you said, beauty comes from the inside, and then just appears on your face and there's been a lot of research I think um, uh, 
was it the, yeah, the book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, mm. He's one of my favourite authors. The book uh, he wrote on uh, Blink. Uh, he yeah. shares some research. He shares about in that book about a guy who researched the facial muscle patterns, and okay. and he said there's I think around a thousand uh, different combinations of facial muscle patterns from memory. Like uh, there's about thirty three or something muscle different muscles in your face, so different combinations. And uh, they, anyhow, some of his research, they, he was able to look at people's photos just looking at the pattern of muscles um, on their face and actually know what uh, crimes they'd committed. So, oh, really? Which is just mind-boggling, like that... If you're a a thief or a murderer, that yeah, this is what he apparently um, was able to prove that this uh, inward nature manifests in the muscular features of our face. And yeah, amazing. He he, uh, he was shown a tribe from Papua New Guinea, for example, and they were a new tribe, no one had ever seen them before. He looked at the face and he said, uh, they're, um, they have uh, preferences for homosexual behaviour and they're also cannibals. And it was exactly like he said. So amazing that beauty or outward appearance is definitely influenced by our thinking and what's happening yeah. on the inside of us. It's one of the most yeah, fascinating researches I've ever read, pieces of research I've ever read about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure that a link to that book is in the show notes. Um, okay, mm. so, I mean, do you still keep talking to yourself as part of daily rituals or, or weekly rituals to keep you in a space where you are unhindered by fear and, and doubt and anxiety? Is that is that still part of your operation to be free? Hmm. Uh, if it is, it's probably less conscious now. Like, okay, that I might be. Um, uh, yeah, for instance, like when I was climbing Kilimanjaro, what was I thinking? I mean, I had my playlist and just putting me in a in a state that I knew that uh, that I could tap into my in, internal strength. And uh, yeah, what was I saying? I just thought. Um, I'm going to go as far as my body is physically able to go. So I was basically just verbalizing a commitment to myself that uh, I'm not going to quit. How this ends is anyone's guess, but it won't be <laughs> by quitting, meaning yeah, I might right. be carried off the mountain by a stretcher <laughs> yeah. or on someone's back, but this is never going to end by my quitting 
And yeah, it was almost like a, a verbal promise to my mother. <laughs> wow. Um, that's so cool. You, you mentioned playlists and, and state. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I love the power of music to affect every cell in our body almost more quickly and powerfully than anything else. So, yeah. Um, so, so music is something you use often to, to create a, a, a peak performance state that gives you access to your best resources. Is that is that something you do a lot? Of? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's only really just, I can probably say just really the last five or six years that I've realized that by nature I'm an artist. So mm. almost everything I'm doing now, it's like photography, writing, uh, writing music. I've, I'm in this creative space and I think earlier in my life that was very suppressed. And so now I, I realize how important the concept of story, how uh, visual images can be so powerful and um, how powerful music is too. There's songs that I've written 20 years ago that people are still singing in Australia that just boggles my mind. They wouldn't be able to remember my uh, any public speech that I've delivered probably. I'm not sure. And my but they're still singing my songs. So the legacy of songs uh, is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of music. And, um, yeah, message through song and just, uh, yeah, I use music quite often just to, yeah, bring my mind into a state of uh, peace and... Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I love the power of state uh, and I, I observe people who seem to do life well and they're not necessarily the fittest, fastest, strongest, most talented people, but without mm-hmm. exception, they are experts at managing their state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, we've all got magic inside us. We've all got incredible stuff to bring, but the problem is most people can't access it when they need it most. So, yeah. So then they miss opportunities and then they tell stories about failure and what could have been and regret and disappointment. And those stories then start to define their life, all just because yes. they didn't know how to manage their state. So, um, you know, the fact that you've found a way to access the internal resources you need to, to be creative, to bring beauty into the world, to contribute a message and to give yourself, uh, you know, a platform and permission to go and pursue your dreams then you get yeah. stories of success, you get stories that are rewarding, you get stories of possibility that just keep stacking yeah. on top of each other and then define who you are and what you're capable of into your future. So amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love that uh, whole concept of successes stacking on top of each other. That's what I try mm. to do yeah. in my coaching. And okay. like sometimes it's uh, people might come, for example, with a problem in their marriage, and I've been amazed time after time after time that after a, just a couple of sessions, they're just they're going from the state of depression and despair and hopelessness to wow, everything is 
working out fantastic. Then when I've asked them, like, oh, what was the uh, thing that made the biggest change? Um, they told me, like, they came because of uh, the problems in their marriage, but the biggest change was uh, when I led them through just uh, a goal-setting process and they set a goal to uh, get up half an hour earlier each morning just to go for a walk around the block. And yeah. the natural mind thinks, hang on, no, that can't be right. You can't just have problems in your marriage and then uh, the, the key to success is walking around the block in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, it's that whole concept of a success in one area of life, even if it's not the main issue, that rolls over that uh, success and, if I can even use the word, confidence uh, to tackle the big issues, yeah, keeps stacking up the little successes, even in the other areas. I'm a big yeah, uh, believer so, of so interdependence. Mm. Mm. And starts to generate momentum and then that momentum just creates more and more of what you want. So, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Great distinction. Um, okay, have there been key books along the way for you that you have drawn from? You mentioned Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, but any other key authors or, or books that, are, that were very timely and, and you continue to draw from or recommend to others about this whole idea of overcoming insecurity so you can be at your best? Yeah, there's been a few. Um, mostly, like, not specifically, uh, I've not picked up a book about... Uh, how to overcome your insecurity in five steps, but just more thematic. So, for example, like uh, for the area of money, um, rich dad, poor dad um, helped yeah. me uh, understand and give me confidence to manage money and, yeah. and, and get it under control, which is a big issue. The whole work and lifestyle um, process and just thinking uh, was the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris mm-hmm. so that uh, played a major influence to the, the lifestyle that I'm living now where uh, I've got to the stage I was offered an opportunity to go to the nation of Georgia just a couple of weeks ago and I asked the guy who rang me um, oh, that sounds great, but it would be uh, an area of the world I'd love to go, down near the Black Sea. And I said, what date is it? And he said, well, there's a plane leaving tomorrow morning. <laughs> and this is like on a Sunday night. And I said, give me one minute and I'll bring you back. So I just <laughs> literally looked at my calendar, saw how many appointments or I had to cancel. Talked to my wife, can I go? Is the opportunity. And rang him back uh, a minute later and said, yep, I'm going. I had a, literally an hour to pack my bag and head off to, to Berlin where I, uh, yeah, caught the plane. <laughs> wow. Which is the next morning. Yeah. 
all inspired by the four hour work week. Yeah, I, mean, so I, that, I love I love that book too. That's that's that was the reason I met you actually. That book uh, that's that's what inspired uh-huh. me to try and be located yeah. in Canada and move to Germany. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, that's great. There's um, also leadership. When I was uh, much younger, one of the most uh, influential books on leadership was Twenty. Uh, one irrefutable laws of leadership by John Maxwell. Um, yes, I know the book well. Yeah, uh, some of Jim Jim uh, Rowan's uh, material really influenced me uh, for sales, which sales is all about confidence. Um, yeah, and insecurity is basically basically a death wish for a business. <laughs> uh, <you laughs> yeah, it is indeed. It is. Yeah, so he's written a book, uh, Blair Singer has written a book called Sales Dogs, which is, okay. uh, he, he talks about the different, five different dogs and how each of their personalities re- re- uh, reflects uh, the nature of a sales personality. And so basically he's saying anyone can sell, but... Yeah. Uh, People do it in all different ways. So for me, I'm like a relational sales person. It means my strength will be building long-term relationships. So yep. long after the um, network marketers tried to recruit you and sell you all of their monthly memberships, um, 20 years later, they're gone and they're dusters. <laughs> off the planet, yeah. I'm still yeah. writing emails after 20 years, <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of my nature. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, coaching. Yeah, I love the one book that helped build confidence in for coaching was Coaching for Performance by John okay. Whitmore, um, which at the time he was uh, voted the uh, England's number one business coach. Um, yeah, so definitely, like, knowledge is power. I love reading and, say, different areas of life, uh, relationships and that. There's been, yeah, like, once, like, Dale Kinnigy, I read his book. I believe he's read it as well. There's another one that influenced me in relationships uh, by a man called Gary Smalley, and he wrote a book called The Five... Love languages, which uh, yeah, I still, still, um, uh, yeah. I think that was Gary Chapman, like actually. Oh, uh, Gary Chapman. Okay, yeah, that's probably him. Yeah, definitely. That's a fantastic book for relationships. Yeah. Yeah, great. And so, I mean, the theme of all these books, I, I love it. It's just to go, okay. What I need to get to get good in these areas is just some right frameworks and some cool knowledge. Because then, if I can use yeah. that, get some yeah. wins, then I build confidence. And if I build confidence, then I'm going to do this better, and it's going to generate more and more momentum, and I'm going to get more and more confidence. So, who are the people with some exactly. cool things to say about these problems I'm trying to solve? All right, let's go read the book, learn the lesson, go get it done. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so that's right. <laughs> the, if you're insecure about money, it's mostly because you don't understand how it works. And exactly. so knowledge is power. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, such a great distinction.
Um, okay, so is there anything else that that we haven't covered that you think is important in this whole subject of overcoming personal insecurity? Anything that you use with clients or anything you use with yourself uh, that you'd just like yeah. to say in, as we draw to the end of the conversation? Um, for me, like a big thing is focusing on your strengths. So focusing on what you can do instead of yep. what you can't do. And I've, uh, I'm in the middle of finishing a book at the moment and the concept was to take the most... As in writing a book? Yeah. So taking yep. the most insignificant object on the planet, which I thought probably one single grain of sand might be a good object, and yeah. over the process of about uh, four or five years, I created a list of 1,000 things that a single grain of sand could do or could be used for. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to just totally blow people's minds out of the ballpark and well, can I can I just ask? Can I ask? Was one of those things stick it to a bit of pink sticky tape and put it in your pocket and then use it to tamper with a cricket ball in a uh, test match? <laughs> did, did that make no, the list? No, but uh, that makes the we list. You can add it. <laughs> and it created a worldwide scandal. Yeah. So exactly. one single grain of sand. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Uh, another big thing for me is just taking the time to celebrate our successes daily. And yep. I heard this. I heard one of the other interviews you did. They said exactly the same thing, and I can't overemphasize this enough. Like just, um, I've been doing a process for the last. Can uh, about 12 years now and it's basically a, a process that I, I do uh, once a year um, yeah. based on 10 questions to set up goals for the coming year um, and I don't do it on New Year's Eve uh, but and I, by, by New Year's Eve, I probably got all my goals set for the, year, the next year ahead. But uh, the first three questions are, uh, what did you achieve in the last three months or one year? And what were the disappointments? And what can you learn from both of those uh, Things, your successes and yeah. failures, and that sets me up to enter into like setting goals for the next year. And I reflect monthly on. I go back through usually once a month, at least a minimum of once a month. I'll go back through my diary, um, look through my phone messages, look through my Facebook uh, pictures and then write a list of all the things that I can, uh, that were really the highlights for the month. And that sets me yeah. up. If I don't do that daily, I'll definitely once a month review the whole 
um, thing, but I'll, I'll do. I'll make it a daily thing just to reflect. What's good about this day? What was yeah. something I can celebrate from yesterday? And then review the whole month, and then again review the whole year. So just going by my highlights um, at the end of the year, I'll have a minimum usually of uh, at the moment about 120 just the standout highlights for the year. Yeah. Well. Um, and then there's other things uh, as well that I celebrate on a daily basis. But um, that's that's been pr- possibly the single most um, life-changing thing that uh, that's happened in my life because even during the darkest uh, years, like um, I say, I've got a, a saying called "should happens," <laughs> meaning there's yeah. a lot of things that we should do in our life, and if we don't, uh, yeah, it it happens. It it, uh, it happens and hits the fan. And 2010 was one of those years for me where just disaster struck and literally I'd lost everything in that year, including my mother who passed away. Um, hmm. And, yeah, when it uh, uh, culminated in, in um, my first wife leaving me, and left my confidence level at rock bottom, like level zero. So getting recovering from that has probably been the biggest um, challenge of my life because, yeah, just all sense of confidence had just been stripped from me. And um, Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I, I just... Uh, it's it's one of the dilemmas, like that. The more uh, successful you become, it creates this. You, you create create this like illusion, or um, ex- people place expectations on you. I find, and and even you place expectations on yourself to be this perfect, um, yeah, person that. Everything in his life has to be a hundred percent good, and then when disaster struck, and yeah, it hurt, and I fell from everyone's expectations, then yeah, that was a big thing. But getting back to a position of uh, confidence from that was just a big. It's, and it started with uh, the overseas. Uh, there was a few things that I did. One, number one was walking in a position of forgiveness and, uh, yeah, set some very clear goals for myself and guidelines to do everything opposite to my other divorced friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because right. uh, some yeah. of them... Some of them were still griping about their relationship problems from 10 and 20 years before. And I thought, okay, I'm in this position. I can't change. Uh, Well, I can do do my very best 
to change the situation, but ultimately um, what's important here is how I re my response. And I'm going to respond in love no matter what. I'm going to walk in forgiveness and model a higher uh, pathway to my children. And I did that. And over a process of two years, I transformed my whole life. It ended up that I took off on a four-month trip around the world. And, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> so... Yeah. Amazing, and this is the stuff that I, I think is so valuable to share because it's it's real life. It's forged not out of junk yeah. or beer or beer and skittles. It's this is the the pain and getting to the point of having nothing and, and losing everything and having confidence at level zero, and then still working yeah. out how do I rebuild confidence from here? How do I deal with new levels yeah. of insecurity about? reinterpreting why this has happened to me and what that means about me in a way that is not going to stop me growing forward from this point. And, yeah, so it's, it's remarkable and a real credit to you and, um, yeah, lots that we can learn from that. So I really acknowledge you and, and value you sharing that with us. So thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. I know that there's listeners out there right now probably going through the same uh, negative experiences that I went through and my message to them will be that life will be different um, but yeah, take responsibility and uh, yeah, work, work on developing yourself and build, yeah, like we were talking about before, like Success stacks up, and yeah. sometimes it's just a series of small actions. Like uh, for me, one of them was joining the gym for the first time in my yeah. life, and uh, that was a big one. Going for an afternoon walk and just uh, de-stressing from the day, um, that was another one. Another thing I did was I chose... 10 friends on Facebook that I thought had had worse things happen than me. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I just uh, shared a few encouraging thoughts with them and um, sent them just a little gift and <laughs> like a little a music CD or something and say, look, this music's really blessed me and I want to uh, bless you with this and... Uh, know that someone cares about you and you are valuable and life will improve. They're just giving people a sense of hope. Yeah. yeah. And so re for me, reaching out to others was a way to... Um, I, didn't, I didn't walk or step away from my own problems, so I was still acting uh, at that, but... Also, like, uh, I think one of the six human needs that Anthony Robbins teaches about is a sense of contribution. And if we're feeling important and or reaching out to others gives us warm, fuzzy feelings. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, so yeah, that's sure. really 
build our confidence that we are valuable and yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, okay, well, I'm as I said, I'm really grateful for your sharing and for your time. And there's so many things that we can all take away from this. So, thanks again. We'll leave the conversation there. I'll make sure those books that you mentioned are in the show notes. And where can people find you or follow you? Where Where do you hang out the most in terms of social media or do you have a website? What's What's the place where people can connect with you, Peter? Um. Yeah, there's a few ways. I'm on Instagram if you're interested in photography. So Smiley Pete zero uh, one is my yep. uh, at at Smiley Pete zero one. You can probably catch me on Facebook a lot of the time. Uh, so we can put a link to my uh, public page where uh, you'll see announcements of any books that I'm writing and. And maybe I can even start putting a few photos up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm in the middle of developing the website, but that'll be... I'm not in a a big hurry at the moment for that. Okay. Excellent. Thanks again, Peter. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And uh, we'll end the call there. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.